Welcome, Pastor Todd, as he comes. All right. So good to see you tonight. Thank you, Pastor Marty. Don't you love him? Don't you just celebrate the gift that the Lord's giving us? It's such an honor to be here this evening, uh, to see all of you that are here. Please be in prayer for our young people that are meeting uh, in their auditorium and our children that are meeting in, um, in, our, in their auditorium. Is that okay? Okay. And um, it's, a, uh, it's a great day. It's a great day to be spread all over the Christ Fellowship campus, people being discipled. Feel his presence in here tonight. What a sweet um, aroma of the Lord that is here. Our worship team, thank you again for that. And um, I am in all of what I'm witnessing with my own eyes, what God's doing in this hour. How many of you are glad that we are alive at this hour? Things may not be going the way you want them to go in many areas of your life, but it's a good day to be alive. We are seeing and witnessing things that many have dreamt of and desired to see. And we are a part of it. A move of God. Um, I was in Bradenton, Florida last night and Monday night. Pastor Norman was down there as well with his lovely wife Ruth. And Lisa Schrock was down there with uh, her son David. The prodigal that came home. Many of you know that she's been praying for him. And they were serving in the water this week. Yeah, give God glory for that. Yeah. You know, sometimes you preach and then you get shocked at what you see happen as a result of, of the preaching. And um, I gave the presentation of miracles, signs, wonders, meeting people in the water, Jesus touching them in baptismal waters, the miracles, the blind eyes opening, the deaf ears opening, and the psoriasis melting off people's bodies and telling them about uh, how Tate got healed of autism and and the legally blind girl from birth that was healed this past uh, week in Benita, Oklahoma through immersions and baptisms. And I gave the altar call as probably as strong as I ever gave it, trying to, 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 to prevent people from coming to Christ. Have y'all noticed the altar calls have changed in, in a sense that, you know, don't come, you know, unless you're ready to go all in and exchange your life for his. And so I made it as difficult as it possibly could. And I'm thinking, as I'm doing this, I'm thinking, whose side am I on? I'm on the Lord's side or, you know, like, okay, he wants to save you, but you come on his terms. On his terms, not our terms. We come believing, but we come more than just believing. We come repenting. We come turning to follow him. I look up. And you know, I, I give the altar call and ask them to raise their hands. Hands went up everywhere in the building. They had to turn people away at the road. They couldn't let anybody else in the building. No more parking. No, and that's the first time that's ever happened. 
And I look up and I, hands go up all over the building. Come not to pray a prayer, but to give your life to him in exchange of all your, all your, all your sin for him and to become a disciple. And if you've never done this before, come. 35 people walk to the front. You saw it, yeah. Pastor Norman, you witnessed it right there. We were all blown away. In this tiny little church, there were like 300 people in the room, in both rooms. They, 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 they had no more overflow room. And they baptized 180 on Monday night. Praise God for that, yeah. And then last night, 100, 120, maybe 130 people they baptized last night. Pastors from all over the area came together. I did a leaders conference. I don't know, it wasn't a conference, a leaders talk on, uh, on Monday, uh, Tuesday. The room was full, and it was just one of the most anointed environments. You could tell that he was in the room. So God's doing some great things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for praying. Thank you for being here on Monday night. I, I hate it when I'm not here on Monday night to pray with you. Um, but just trust that I'm pulling on your prayers. I, I am literally sitting underneath your prayers while we're out. And I appreciate you being faithful to our Monday night prayer. Please don't miss Sunday, uh, Saturday night. Don't miss Saturday night at six. Uh, it may be that and Monday night, the most important meetings of the week. I leave in the morning for Maine. I've gone from Florida to Maine for two days. Um, I come back Saturday about three, here for prayer. I, I revival, our church Sunday morning, revival Sunday night, and then I fly out early morning for Oregon for five days. So I'll be back in on Friday. Um, I'm excited. I'm energized. I'm physically okay. I'm still getting over the sickness from a couple of weeks ago. I'm 99% well just in my head at this point. But um, the fire of God is at an unprecedented, uh, unprecedented level of, uh, of heat at this moment. When you walk into a room as a result of your prayers... Now hear what I'm saying. We're partnering in this together. That when we walk into a strange environment, God is already there. Even though they may have not made the right preparations and everything, because of the furnace here that is boiling and continuously lit, that when we go, there is a presence of God waiting on us. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank Him. Just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, with that being said, I want you to go in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going, to, I'm going to read some scripture tonight. I want to spend a few moments with you, uh, pastoring you a little bit today on uh, some things that I think are pertinent to where we are as a congregation and as you are as an individual, because I want to give you some tools tonight to work in the midst of your life and 
to know what to do when the enemy raises his head. Now, we cannot be naive and think for a moment that what you and I are experiencing and involved in and the adjustments that we've made in our personal lives just to fall in love with Jesus just a little bit more, that the enemy is going to be happy about that. Right? He's not happy at all. I tell churches sometimes that when I go on the first night, we catch the devil off guard. It's the second night that we have to battle through things. This church that I was in yesterday, when we walked in, there was just a tremendous odor because the pool flooded and leaked. And a thousand gallons rushed through the whole... When they came to church on Sunday morning, the, the church was underwater. They had to meet outside. And they had problems all through the thing. But God met people in the water. I'm here to tell you that we are on the enemy's radar. And not only we collectively as a church, CFC, the North Georgia Revival, is on the enemy's radar, you as an individual, as a result of participating and partnering and collaborating with what God's doing here, you're on the radar as well as an object of his attack. Now, I don't need that to alarm you. I don't want that to bring fear into your life. But you are a part of something that I believe is significant in kingdom that the enemy wants to stop you. And if he can stop you, he impacts what God's doing collectively in the whole. Right? Somebody say amen. And the Apostle Paul in his ministry and his life, and he's our reference tonight, tonight is, is literally uh, an example of us on the enemy's tactics and his attack on anything that threatens religion and threatens his dominion. Now, I, wa I want to lay this out for you because some people may not understand this, and if I can find it in my notes, I, I have it here. Uh, written out, that, and I want to make sure that we are, uh, are clear on this. We need to understand, and I'm going to just take a second, um, we're at war. And especially when you are a part of a movement or a church or a revival that's doing things, you are not on the back of the war, you're on the front lines of the war. 2 Corinthians 10.3, I, I want to just start there. Just, I want to read several, uh, several scriptures. Paul said, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Signifying, we don't, we don't fight with guns and bullets and swords and spears and arrows, but we do war. He told Timothy to fight the good fight in 1 Peter. Timothy 1.18. Then he told him in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. He said again in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. We're in a fight. 
And the reason we're in a fight, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, there is a God of this world and his name is Satan. The God of this world is Satan. Ephesians 2, 2 says, that in which you once walked according to the course of this war, world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works. There is a prince and a power of the air. A prince is someone who is in position of leadership and one who has ruling capacity and who is considered a Lord. And your Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, that in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So we need to understand we are in a fight, not just for survival to, make, to be good humans, but we are standing against a spiritual opposition. Now the word power literally means control, right to act or to decide. Jesus refers to Satan, now listen to this, as a prince and a ruler. John 12, 31 says, now, is this the judgment of this world? Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now understand what Jesus is saying. Satan is a ruler. He has authority to rule in this time-space dimension. John 14, 30 says, Jesus said, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and yet he has nothing in me. John 16, Jesus once again talks about of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The Apostle John, the disciple that Jesus loved, acknowledged that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now, I don't say that to you to alarm you to think, oh dear God, we're all doomed. But I say that to you to let you understand that we cannot think for a moment collectively, individually, that the advancement and progress that we have made for the kingdom of God will go unnoticed or unchallenged. I got mad the other day when I heard that Joel Crumpton fell and broke his hip. Do y'all remember when that happened? About six weeks ago now, right? Five, six weeks ago? Now that man has done more for the kingdom of God and healing of the sick and encouragement and discipled us in so many ways. Probably one of the greatest men I've ever met in my life. Full of love, compassion, faith. Tenderness, gentleness, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit. You just can't make him mad. Have you ever tried to make him mad? I mean, I'm not saying that you have, but you know, it's like, I'm, I, I'm sure he has a rough side. I'm sure he has a very, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. 
But he's always consistent. Yeah, level's a good word. I mean, I'm all over the place. I'm so emotional at times. I'm so extreme at times. And I look at Joel and I said, Lord, are you human? Are you an angel unaware? And then there's Miss Pat. You know Miss Pat. And so, and so Joel, everywhere I go, they sh- some, many of the pastors show me the book they found. I say, man, do you, know, you know, hey, look at this book. I go, I know him. Kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? Or, hey, I understand he's a part of your church. This book's changed my life. Or they'll say something positive. And I'm trying to book Joel Crumpton to come to these churches. I said, you got to have Pastor Joel. you got to have this cat. He, he's going to train your people. Well, anyway, I, I know I'm overstepping uh, probably my accolades there, but, but it's true. I, 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 it's true of him. So when I heard that he fell somehow on the side of a hill, I don't know all the story, and broke his hip, I thought, that is so unusual. And I thought, there's something behind that. Had the surgery, and then a few days ago, a week ago, his wife has an accident and breaks her leg, ankle, right? Ankle. In, in how many places? Three places? On both sides. And I'm thinking, this is no coincidence. And this is no um, thing that we just need to say, well, life happens. Then I get a call from him the other day. He says, Pastor, he says, I need some help. I go, Joe, what's up? He says, Pat just came home from surgery or the doctor, and I'm trying to get her up the driveway. And getting her up the driveway, something happened to my hip. So we sent one of our staff members over to help him. His car was still running at the bottom of the or at the drive at the foot of the driveway, if you will. We had to drive. He had to drive the car up there, etc. So the reason I'm telling you this, I'm going somewhere. So stay with me. And he had to have another surgery today. Now, religion will teach us, and, and, and just being maybe not, not knowledgeable of what's happening, we will just think, well, that's just life. And it could be life, but I, I, I refuse just to think that it was a, a coincidence that both of them had their ankles and their legs or hip broken within a, within a month of each other. So, and I'm not believing there's a devil around every corner. But I'm angry about that. Because he's a key figure here at the North Georgia Revival. He's a key leader here. Next thing I know, Barbara and Jerry and, you know, that's on our altar team, leaders here at our church, Jerry's going down his steps to go barbecue, and he falls. I don't know if it was a day or two later, or when was it, Miss Barbara, that you were out two weeks later, she trips over the curb of some way, somehow, and lands right on her chin, and busts, his, or, or not bust, but just a big knot on her, on her throat, or her uh, chin, if you will. 
I said, well, did you break anything? Did you bite your tongue? Did you lose any teeth? And it was miraculous that she didn't, but she landed right on it. And I thought, now there are two significant leaders, families, that have fallen. And we've not had families in four years fall. And I'm not talking about falling in sin. I'm talking about falling physically. So I want to come on here, and there's another example I was supposed to give, and I can't remember it. I mean, I get sick last week. Just felt like I was going to die. If Karen hadn't been with me, uh, it would have been, uh, I'd have lived. But... I want her to think that I was dying. I said, baby, if you rubbed right here, I won't die. If you just rub my there. Yes. And, and so, Pastor Jeff Lyle uh, on our staff, you know, he pastors um, the church at Winder and now also on our staff as the COO of Caneo, uh, pulling out of, a mile from his home is T-boned with a lady that ran through a red light uh, going 40 to 45 miles an hour. Do you have that text from Matt? Can you find that for me? Where was that? Find that for me. It's Matt Scott on my thing. So Amy lost her mother. Y'all remember that, Pastor? Amy lost her mother in a car accident. Her mother died right in her lap. But yet, a key figure here at the North Georgia Revival that preaches the North Georgia Revival an individual runs a red light and T-bones them both on her side 40 to 45 miles an hour. She's taken to the hospital. She's being evaluated. She's okay now, but recovering, but having damaged her other good leg or her good leg. I want you to know that oftentimes things that happen in the natural are a signal and a sign of what can happen in the spirit. I want you to be aware, not concerned, but aware that ever since we started ticking up on our prayer efforts, it usually takes the devil about three to six weeks to catch up with what deposits that we have made. And our prayer services have been over 100 people, between 100 and 200 people on Monday nights and, and, and Saturday nights. And listen to me. Now watch me. Listen to me very carefully. It is vitally important that you do not back off of that and say, wow, they got more than enough. It's okay for me not to make the deposit. Because if you're thinking that, somebody else thinks that. And then somebody else is thinking that. And then the prayer meeting goes from 150 down to 60 again. Then we're back where we were, having more people come out of the water not healed than more people being healed. Right now, folks are being healed more than being not healed because of the deposit, direct deposit. But also know that your leadership, elders, staff, support staff, executive staff, are all... All, and key leaders here are targets to the enemy. We have to guard each other and pray for one another. 
Because the God of this world, the prince of the air, the ruler of this world, is seeking whom he may devour. And if there's not a prayer covering over us, if I do not have a prayer covering tomorrow, if I don't have a prayer covering next week, I am more vulnerable. My flesh is weaker. But your prayers, I'm talking about, it's like the Lord dispatches angels. I mean, it's like he just sends angels before us and he says, I got this, even though you're weak in mind, you're weak of flesh, you're sick of body, and you're tired and you're worn out. I've got this. Because the, you're fanning the flame. Did you find that? For Matt? Do you have it? Just the top part? Matt Scott called us the other day, and he has no idea what's going on with Jeff and Pastor Jeff, Pastor Amy, Joel, and the others. Matt Scott, y'all know Pastor Matt from the Methodist Church in Birmingham. He said, he said, he said, I need to tell you something. He said, God told me yesterday in prayer that there was going to be more assassination attempts. Now, I'm giving you some meat tonight, some mature content. You understand what I'm saying? I, I'm kind of being a little bit more um, vulnerable than I probably need to because some of, some, not you guys, but some people will panic. Dear God, if Satan's attacking, I'm leaving. You know what I'm saying? It's war. I didn't sign up for war. I just signed up for a blessing. Okay? I just need to come and be blessed. And so you've got to be, you've got to hunker down in this. He said, God told me yesterday in prayer that there was going to be more assassination attempts. So when uh, thoughts of our, of the leadership of this church come to your mind, it is imperative to begin to pray for individuals. Now, the assassination may not be death. It may be an irresistible temptation. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we got to begin to pray. We got to begin to lift each other up in the Lord. Pray for our worship team. Pray for... Um, Pray for our youth pastor, right? Pray for our, 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 our children's pastors. Pray for all of our leaders. Pray for Pastor Sherry if she is leading people on how to, how to pray for one another. Does that make sense? Okay. Now watch this. Look at Acts chapter 9. I'm, I'll, I may get to, to uh, the other scripture here in the next five minutes that I have left. I want you to look at Acts chapter 9. And, and I, I want you to know, though. Now listen. I want to read this to you. It is believed that Paul's conversion occurred in 36 AD and his death in Rome at 68 AD. That would indicate a ministry that he had for 32 years. Since 2 Corinthians was written in 57 AD and recorded sufferings Paul had endured up to that time of the writing, this, the list would encompass the first 21 years of Paul's 32-year ministry. And what the list I'm about to read to you only happened to the Apostle Paul the first 11 years. I mean, excuse me, the first uh, um, 21 years. 
So it wouldn't include the last 11. Paul was arrested and put in prison in Jerusalem. Paul spent two years imprisoned in Jerusalem. Paul's perilous journey from Caesarea to Rome included a shipwreck, a snake bite, imprisonment in Caesarea, house arrest in Rome. And he writes in 2 Corinthians 4, we are perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Now think about that. A leader of the church, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Caring in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be also manifested in my body. For we who are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Can somebody say amen right there? That's just 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians 11. In compare my life to you, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. 40 stripes minus one five times means he was whipped 195 times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. You imagine that. Maybe clinging to a board. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, fasting often, in cold and naked. Acts 9, 29, and he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. Acts 13, 50, but the Jews incited the devout women of the prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. Acts 14, 5, and when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and the Jews with the rulers to mistreat and to stone him. Verse 19 of Acts 14, Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Acts 16, 22, the crowd rose up together against them and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. I could go on and on. I will. They listened to him up to the statement and then they raised their voices and said away with such a fellow from the earth for he should not be allowed to live. Acts 23.10 and as a great dissension was developing the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them and ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. 
Now, why am I saying that? I am saying that to you. May we count it a privilege to be a target of the enemy because of the ministry, the power, the love, the life, the peace, the hope, the goodness that you carry. You need to understand that everyone in this room, you are in agitation to the very core of the pit of darkness. You are in agitation. The devil wants you to be satisfied, content, and your world all about you. Your needs, your self-preservation, and your comfort. But God said that you've been bought with a price. Now, therefore, glorify God with your body. And may the Lamb of God receive the full reward of his suffering. And as Paul says, whether by life or by death, may Jesus Christ be glorified by the life that I live. I'm here to tell you that this church right here, right now, is a dividing line. It makes people so mad. It makes them angry. It makes them upset. My friends, I'm telling you, people have come to this place and they have expectations and they think that this is the way church ought to be a certain way and they get in here and we talk about how low can we go? How small can we become? How yielded may we live? And they realize very quickly to go to a church like this will cost you everything. It'll cost you everything. But in the midst of it, I've never had greater peace. I've never had greater blessing. I've never had greater joy in my life. The more I surrender, the happier I am. I've been convinced the more stuff I have, the more prosperity I have, the bigger things that I have, the more luxury I have. I've been told that's the American dream. It may be the American dream. And there's nothing wrong with having possessions. There's nothing wrong with having nice and beautiful, wonderful things and enjoying them and, and being pleased by them. But there's something about finding the life that Jesus said. If you want to find your life, you lose it. And I know that this church is not for everyone. Everybody in this room ought to get a trophy for enduring I mean, really, to endure, because it's war. There's sacrifices. But not everybody's going to be able to stand before the Lord and say, I held that person there. I was there that when that devil came out. I was there and I witnessed that leg grow. I watched that blind eye open. I was there when the cutter said, from now on, I'm never going to cut myself again. Or the person that on Friday night tried to commit suicide and for the first time in his life, he realizes there's hope and there's peace. And I, as your pastor, appreciate the spirit that you bring to this house. It is hard to sit under a pastor that has an apostolic vision that has pushes you and challenges you and makes us mad from time to time. I understand that. And sometimes I'm thinking, dear God in heaven, why are you doing what you do? 
in the sense of like, I don't even like sometimes the things I say. But it's like a coach that sees the potential and I know what it takes to win. I know, I know the pathway to victory. I know it. And the hardest thing you'll ever do is to learn how to stay on top once you're there. And I'm not saying we're on top. I'm just saying we're at a level of glory that I don't want to lose and assume that it will ever, assume that it will always be here. I want to dominate this moment. I want to dominate this season we're in. And if the season ever fades, I never want the Lord to say, because of something I did or didn't do. If it ever ends, I want it to come to a divine end at the choosing of the Lord and the timing of the Lord. Not because I faded and became weary and failed to maintain the posture. Does that make sense? All right. All good? So we're going to pray for one another. That's what the Bible says. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. I look for this Sunday to be one of the greatest Sundays we've ever had. And that's going to have to, that's going to, have to be something. Because it's going to be great Sunday, because Saturday night's going to be great. Join me Saturday night. I'll be coming in on two wheels. A little forerunner with 448,000 miles that has no power steering and no, yeah, and, 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 and smells like uh, deer. And um, I'm coming in on two wheels. Why? Because that is the most important hour of my week. Stand to our feet. Praise the Lord. I'm done. Are you okay? All right. Blessed be the Lord. Satan is able to exercise power, influence, and authority until it is taken from him. And we take it tonight. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak over our family, our church, our tribe, our community. And I thank you that, Lord Jesus, I am around some very unusual, beautiful, passionate, loving people. And I thank you, Lord. We have fought a good fight. But we will fight some more for you, Lord. For you. Not strive against one another. But Lord, we will fight so that your kingdom can expand. So Lord, I pray right now for Joel, for Pat. I thank you for keeping 
Jerry and Barbara safe and others that have gone through hardships and things like that, Lord, and sicknesses. Thank you for Larry that's getting better, Lord Jesus, that's being healed. And thank you for Zach that's been touched as well and others. Thank you that Rudy came back, Tom came back from sickness. Lord, we bless you for them. Lord, I pray a special healing upon Joel Crumpton and Miss Pat right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for Jeff and Tammy Lyle, Pastors Jeff and Pastor Amy, Lord, that the trauma, the, the PTSD, Lord, or whatever could happen because it brought back memories of losing her mother, that she will not have nightmares, Lord, that she will stand above this. A speedy recovery to both Amy and Pastor Jeff. Thank you, Lord, for sparing their life. Angels around. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Lord, we, the word that Pastor Matt gave us, that there will be other assassination attempts. Lord, we stand against that in the name of Jesus. We nullify the work of the devil. Call it done, over. Trespass no more. There'll be, there'll be no sickness and sorrow. In the mighty name of God, I bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Christ Fellowship Church. Yeah, I hear that, Karen. Yeah, Lord, we pray a ring of fire around us. A ring of fire around our spouses, our children, our grandchildren. Even they may not even come to this church, but Lord, we just pray that all of our offspring, all of our loved ones are safe. My mother in Alabama, Lord, keep her safe in the name of Jesus. No sickness and disease shall come near her dwelling. Thank you, Lord. All right. Praise the Lord, church family. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for being here. Good night tonight. I'll see you Saturday night at six, please, but be in prayer tomorrow. I have to leave about four in the morning, five in the morning to get to the airport. So please be in prayer for that safety, and I'll see you Saturday night. Bye-bye.